Shife Sports Show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Shite Sports Art Show, where we promise to talk more than do hugging. Like a big fight this weekend, where there was nothing but hugging and no fighting. But we'll get that later. Uh, joined once again by my co-host and producer, Paul. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, to my left, I have David, the coach, Sype again. Glad to be back. Uh, joining us via Skype is Mr. Lefty Brad Cameron. How's everyone doing tonight? And returning to in-studio, sitting across from me, the... Spanish Wolverine, the guy with more favorite teams <laughs> than the Browns starting quarterbacks in the last two decades, Guillermo Raldo. Guillermo, welcome back. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I think <laughs> Glad that, to be back. Does that have do you have like a hand underneath that beard or something? Yeah, it's uh Chuck Norris taught me. There's a bird in there. It, it might be a nest in there, maybe. I don't know. When Peter Griffin had that beard. I had some food missing sometimes. <laughs> um, so we pretty much had a big weekend in sports. We had the May, uh, Mayweather Pacquiao fight that turned into more of a hugging and dance contest and a fighting spectacular. I mean they dubbed it the fight of the century and then a little to potential. So we'll uh we'll go ahead and start with that. We'll actually start with that fight uh first. Um Guillermo, let's go over your thoughts on the boxing match first. Since it's just your return, we'll start with you. Go with me. And we'll go with you to start off with. What did you think of the fight? Um I didn't watch the fight on TV. I actually streamed it. Yeah. Are I you are you it. admitting that on air? Yeah, I'm admitting that. You're going to jail. No, see me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. I heard about this. There's like a couple sites, streaming sites that people were just kind of uh streaming it on, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm one of the dummies that paid the hundred bucks. <laughs> well, I had I had no place to go. A couple of plans uh plans like canceled out. I mean, Shipe invited me, but I had no way to get there and then uh, to get back. Um yeah. First two rounds, when I saw it, I knew it was going to be a boring fight. Pacquiao didn't throw anything. Obviously, he, he was losing the fight after those two rounds, and I think I don't think he was going to come back. Um, the report with him being injured, I don't really think that did much. I mean, when you have Mayweather running around the whole time, there's not really much you can do, even if you're even if you're throwing multiple punches at yeah, one but time. Do you think when he was throwing on those furries, do you, fury of punches, do you think maybe that hurt shoulder affected what kind of power he was throwing into him? Because, I mean, he went on some little, uh, you know, tyrants against Mayweather. It just seems like he was, he wasn't going as hard he normally would. Like he was, he was winding out too early. Do you think the arm had effect on that? It might've. I mean, rotator cuff, if, if anybody's told you rotator cuff's serious. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, his punches, there there were small bunches, fourth round, sixth round. I mean he took a he took a round off. So yeah, I think it did like do something to his his punching brigade, but either way, I mean, I hated the fight. It was boring. Just like a, a typical Mayweather fight, all the running, straight defense. If you said you were gonna give the fans what they wanted, I mean, fans are paying a hundred dollars, give them a fight. Go back to the old days and then especially you're talking about Muhammad Ali saying you're better than him, but Muhammad fought. He actually went out and fought around. So, I mean, it, it was a boring fight. I wanted Pacquiao to win, but yeah. You know what? Someone can pay me $160 million to do this for the whole fight. I'll do this for a whole fight for $160 million. <laughs> Dude, give me... Just pay me instead, and I'll make it an entertaining Give me fight. a million, and I'll hug you forever. God. I mean, I watched it. We watched the whole thing, and for... All right. I hate Skip Bayless for everything there is. I think he's the most dumbest person on TV. He makes stuff entertaining, but I think he was right. I think Mayweather lost that fight. I think Pacquiao was more the aggressor. 
And that's what, you know, judges look for is who's the aggressor. For some reason, they didn't go for that this fight. They just went because, oh, well, maybe weather's more accurate. But, yeah, I mean, he throws less punches. So, of course, he's going to be more accurate in the end if he's throwing less punches. Uh, I just, I think Pacquiao did enough to where he won. And I'm looking at these judges' scorecards. And I'm like, okay, one dude only picked him one, I think, two or three rounds. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure there was four or five rounds that he won convincingly. And then on top of that, they screwed up the scorecards. They had... Yeah, they they they, put, they wrote the numbers. And Pacquiao's corner is winning, and they're like, oh, that was just a mistake. We didn't read the corner. I think Pacquiao could argue that I won the fight. I mean, that's an official scorecard, and they scored in favor of Pacquiao, but they just they said they read it wrong. I mean, if you're a judge, you shouldn't be reading stuff wrong. I mean, you, it, you'd be stupid to read it wrong. It has B for blue and an R for you red. You can't mess it up. Yeah. And it's not like it's the first time they've ever like scored a, a bout. Yeah. yeah. But it, it also gets you thinking... These guys have done it for so long. Why would they make a mistake on the biggest fight right. of that? And then you had the referee who, once again, I think it was clearly on Mayweather's side. Oh, yeah. He was stopping he was, stuff he, early. Mayweather was boxing dirty to the fullest. If you can see the replay, I know this Saturday I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at that boxing fight again on TV. You can clearly see Mayweather push down Pacquiao's head multiple times. And... What was the ref? There's like a five headlock, no points whatever. taken off. Yeah, he called and said, "Guys, warning! I'm, I'm warning you. Don't do that again." Automatically, if you're warned, next one well, is automatic point. Well, this is the same point. ref where in one of Mayweather's earlier fights, Mayweather was getting pummeled, and the ref actually stepped in before there was a knockdown and looked at Mayweather and said, "Are you okay?" And actually, yeah, it was it was the he, Madonna fight. Yeah, he stopped the he stopped Madonna from going after Mayweather even more just to check on Mayweather. And also, this is why I think Pacquiao won is if Mayweather's father is his trainer in the corner. He was pushing his son to saying, you're losing this. You need to keep going. And I felt like his father even thought that Mayweather lost because he was, at between every round, he was screaming at Mayweather to keep going. And it's just, I think it was ridiculous. Uh, Brad, did you watch any of the highlights from the boxing match? I mean, if you saw any, what did you think? I did watch it. And, uh, you know, I, I think there was a lot of hugging. But th this is this is typical welterweight stuff. Like, you know, th this isn't like heavyweight boxing where you come in and you just start teeing off on everybody. Like, there's a lot more tactics that go into it. You know, I, I, everyone was expecting this to be some kind of tee-off match like Frazier and Ali. It's not the case. Like, these these two guys are a little bit smaller. It's much more tactical. So, yeah, you hate the hugging and you hate all the, the, the slow play, but that's kind of part, part of a, a welterweight boxing. Uh, you know, I, I wished... Uh. Well, I, I wish Mayweather would have been a little bit, you know, a little bit more involved in the fight. I, I think he knew that Pacquiao had to bring it to him. And unless Pacquiao KO'd Mayweather, he wasn't going to win no matter what. I don't care how the fight looked. Pretty much if he didn't KO him, he was not going to win this fight. And he didn't. So, I mean, well, I mean, one thing I got to add, Brad, are you talking about the Mayweather? I mean, the Walter Waits now? Yes, they're still 130 pounds. They're not throwing fisticuffs like some of these 100, 195, 200, 220 pound guys in the heavyweight division. Like it's it's tactical. It it isn't just tee off and keep punching each other. It's it, it's you don't want to take shots to the face because you're not big, and, and and it's not built around KOs and stuff like that. It's you know it's pick your punches. Take you know take your time. Where heavyweight is just like let's tee off and let's hit each other as hard as we can. And and here we go. That's understandable, but I mean, it's just, 
I mean, and then Mayweather, then we found out later on that, you know, the Rotator Cup, and then Mayweather was like, well, I'll give you the rematch. And then he came out just literally 10 minutes ago and said, there's not going to be a rematch. Pacquiao's a sore loser and, and just a and, and a coward, which, you know, I mean, my father had Rotator Cup surgery. I mean, I mean, how does that, how would that affect the bots or a Rotator Cup if it's torn during a fight? How does that, how would that affect them? Well, if it's torn during a fight, it's hurting. Painful. And you can't come out straight. You have to come up underneath. Which we, I think we saw I mean, a lot of uppercuts from Pacquiao towards yeah, That's the why you didn't see any of Pacquiao's. Anything over the top yeah. is a killer. You didn't see much hooks from, from Pacquiao. Uh, look, my intake on this was boxing has not had anything in a while. Mm, yep. Big matches, whether you go heavyweight, middleweight, shortweight, lose weight, or whatever. <laughs> okay? They needed something to get boxing back on the, on the map. It had come down a little bit from the baseball, football, all the major sports. And, and I think what they did, it was a, it ended up being a knockout in the first round. I don't think that they got what they needed out of this fight. They got more complaints than people saying, oh, this is great, this is great. It was the fight of the century. So now they got to figure out something else, you know, something out to uh, try to regroup and uh, come up with something else. Like, you know, who else is out there besides these two guys yeah. that, that could bring a big payday to, to the boxing world? And Boston's now that this dead. thing is gone like it has, where people say, oh, this is cheated, that's cheated, you know, they, they did a Dancing with the Stars for five rounds. <laughs> you know, when, when you're watching a fight, like I didn't watch it, my son and his friends were downstairs. Right. So I'm sitting up, I didn't hear any... Ooh, ah, oh, none of that. You know, you didn't hear any of it. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think boxing really got knocked out on this one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, let's face it. Um, boxing is the dying sport, and the big one now is UFC. Dana White, when he brought in UFC, completely took over the fighting sport in this country and in the world. And as UFC continues to grow, boxing is going to be little and little because Dana White, he knows how to run a company, which boxing, there's too many people, boxers are their own promotions, they may pit their own fights, so where Dana White's going to be like, all right, you are fighting this guy, and if you don't want to fight him, I'll strip you the title and put on someone who wants to fight. Like, the big matchup coming up in the next couple months is going to be Jose Aldo versus... Um, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, which, this fight is a build-up. This guy, Jose Aldo's a champ, and they were in uh, Ireland doing a promotion, and this Conor, who is the challenger, Grab ripped... Huh? Grabbed his belt. Grabbed his belt out of Jose Aldo's hand and held it up to the crowd in Ireland saying, I'm going to come home with this. He literally grabbed it out of his hand. And then also they were in Toronto doing a show, like a morning show. And the host's like, all right, Jose, you sit here. Connor, you sit here. Dana White's like, you can't do that. You can't put these guys next to each other. And sure enough, two seconds in, Connor's grabbing Jose. And Oh, wow. I mean, like, Danny, Dana knows how to set up a fight. I mean, the Pacquiao, there wasn't really much of a buildup. They were just, you know, they were kind of quiet towards each other almost to where... USC and Dana White, he puts what people want to see. Like he makes you tune into the fight. I mean, this. I mean, I mean, the, the, well, everybody wanted to see this fight. They did, but it just but, it didn't live up to the hype. But uh, things. But besides no, this fight, right. Mayweather's picking his opponents, and they're easy yeah. opponents. Yeah. Whereas UFC, Dana White's making you fight whoever the number one contender is. You are going to fight. It them. should be like a league, like a like you know. But I. I just want to add something. Yeah, everybody wanted to see this fight, but I think everybody wanted to see this fight years ago. Yeah. Right. When they were both in their prime. Yeah. yeah. Right. I sure. mean, there's a reason there's a reason why everybody wanted to see 
Pacquiao versus Mayweather back then, that's a sign saying boxing's dying. We need you guys to bring it back. They just did it last weekend, and you guys just killed the sport. It, it was already dead, but you guys made it even worse. <laughs> you guys invest so much money. It was a $3 million fight, 60-40 split, but paying $100 for a fight that should have been like 40 bucks, maybe even less for what they what they fought. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was terrible. I mean, three years ago, yeah, that fight would have been crazy. Pacquiao would have been throwing uh, bunches and everything. Mayweather would still have been doing his defense, but it would have been where... Mr. Scheib said, you would have some, ooh, ah, oh, oh, oh my God, what, what just happened? And what, to be honest, have, I did not, I didn't, I didn't even do one of those during, no, during the fight that I saw know. because I was completely like bored. After the sixth round, I was completely bored. I was like, this, this is not a fight. And I wanted to turn it off, but I wanted to see if anything, what would happen. Did the crowd boo at all? Like, were they? Uh, well, no, I, yeah. they were booing Mayweather. They weren't, they were, they were yelling Manny. And Mayweather was getting booed. I mean, he got in a cursing match with with a with a fan at ringside after the after the fight. I mean, they were booing Mayweather. They now when he won, he got booed. Everyone was chanting Manning. It's yeah, like and the, wow. The thing is, MGM Grand is Mayweather's house. So to boo him in his own house means something. And then yeah, they had Manny, Manny uh going chants going crazy. They had Pacquiao come on, Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. All this stuff for for Manny, and all you can see is just Manny smiling and boxing. It pissed off Mayweather, and Mayweather didn't care. Honestly, yeah. I mean he he went out, he went after a fan, and he said, "I'm still champion. I'm still here. What are you guys gonna do? I'm not gonna lose." Wow. He, I mean, boxing is not like a sport for Mayweather anymore. It's just it, it's all about money. If, it, if you know Mayweather, it's, it's all about the money. He doesn't care who he fights because he knows he's going to win, and he just wants the check. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The last best bossy match I ever watched was this guy named Rocky Balboa when he faced Ivan Drago. Oh that was a God. pretty good match. <laughs> that was probably the last best uh, bossy match I ever this saw. This guy. It was a good match. One of the greatest uh, quotes of all time. I know. Yeah, I must break. And then, I must break. To be honest, yeah. I wouldn't even... If I was Mayweather, I wouldn't even have another fight because... There's no point to have another fight. I mean, there's rumor that he's going to fight Amir Khan, and I can tell you right now, Amir Khan will get his ass knocked out. Mm -hmm. He has no chin. He's been knocked out twice in the last, like, five fights. It's a joke. Yeah. He wants the easy route. Like, you know, also another bit difference between this and UFC is is if Pacquiao would have withdrew from the fight because of his rotator cup, Mayweather, you know, told him, oh, well, if you do this, I'm not going to fight you anymore, to where, like, and he probably wouldn't have fought in May to where we totally, uh, talked about last week where John Jones, you know, was you know was suspended, kicked out of UFC. His title was interim. Dana White quickly put someone in, um, and this guy only has a month to prepare for Anthony Johnson, Daniel Cormier, and he's like, "All right, cool, I'm gonna take the fight because people in UFC want to fight." Boxing's like, "Well, I'm not gonna replace him because then that means I have to fight Mayweather. Why? Mm-hmm. You're only giving me a month to prepare for Mayweather? I'm not gonna do that. UFC, they want to fight. Those people want to fight. They want to keep competing. Like, and you know, they get these uh, medical suspensions where you have to be off for you know a month to heal." They don't want that. They want to keep going back at it. I think Rousey fought, what, three, four times last year? She, she fought four times, but, I mean... Well, she beats opponents in, like, 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It's, it's okay for her to do that, but... She, all her fights have... I think she's only had one fight go past the first round. I mean, but the other thing, the other thing about UFC and boxing, you're managed by just one guy, where in boxing, you're managed by multiple guys to have to meet up and agree on the fight um, like 
things. But boxing, I think boxers are more scared now because they're always worried about the records or about the pay and all this stuff. Where UFC, they don't even get the amount of money nowhere boxers near get. Yeah, I don't. Near. I don't even. They make millions. So for them to go out and say, "Yeah, I'll fight anybody. I don't care." That's where it's like a warrior sport compared to boxing, which was a warrior sport back in the old days. Mm-hmm. And it, it, yeah, it became it, it became a bunch of girls just hugging it out. It's too- they need someone to come in to take it over that will make it what UFC is like. Almost like they need someone that has a Dana White mentality that will come in and force you to fight someone where if you don't fight this person, I'm going to strip you of every damn belt you have until you fight again. They need someone like that that's going to come in and take over the whole boxing organization and say, okay, this how, like what Brad told, they're going to have leads. Here's your rankings. One, two, three, four, five. Number one, you're going to fight the number one contender. If you don't like it, then guess what? He's going to fight someone else and you're going to lose your belt. And that's what they need. They need someone that has the balls enough to come in to tell Mayweather you're going to fight him and you have no say in it. And if you do, give me your belts because you can just go to the end of the line like everyone else. That's what they need. They need someone that can come in and tell Mayweather who he's going to fight and not have him pick his own fight. And I know, Brad, it's never going to happen, is it? No. Never, never going to happen. It's so, so, so old. I mean, it's but been around it's, for so long and so many. It's just, it's so easy to. It's so bad that boxing fans were actually sending letters to Dana White saying, please buy boxing also and bring that sports back. They were asking him to buy boxing and bring it back. Because if anyone could do it, Dana White could run both companies easily. Because he has his own, um, who's the guy that d- does the fights for, Dan, for uh, Dana? I know Dana puts them together, but there's someone else who. Yeah, he has his little... Ro- Ro- not Rogan. Oh, Rogan's the announcer. Someone with a name like that. Yeah. But he has his own other person who does also the rankings and puts the fight together. And Dana's just the oversay. So Dana could go do boxing, has this guy, and he could own both. And, I mean, the money would be great, but it's just... I don't think you can just own boxing, though. You can't, though. There's too many... <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, Mayweather, it's all about promotions. That's yeah. the thing about UFC. It's it's just one promotion UFC. It's not Mayweather promotion or it's, Golden Boy promotion. It's it's one whole organization. If it's going to happen, it's going to start... From scratch, they're going to come up with a boxing like a league or something like. They this. may have to do that. They may have to start and a whole then, new thing, a whole new organization. Yeah, mm-hmm. just do it that way. I mean, it's like I don't even know who the heavyweight champion is. It's like since you know, like Fraser and you know Tyson, uh, well, the, Lewis. They got, the they got a lot of different weight classes too, yeah. where it's just like I don't even freaking know. They like a welterweight, super welterweight, light welterweight. Yeah. Like UFC, simple heavyweight, light heavyweight, middleweight, welterweight, lightweight. There you go. There is no super. Middleweight or that's just stupid. Well, Why would you heavyweight, s- I know for sure is it's uh Vladimir. Yeah, the Russian dude. Only because just, he's the only guy in that division. Yeah. <laughs> and, and heavyweights are a joke now. There's only one heavyweight that's demolishing everybody. But uh, yeah, I to be honest, I don't know if you guys agree with me with this one. But once Pat, once Mayweather leaves, I think boxing will actually bring like. Will be back to life. Hopefully, it means something because more than money. Back, back in the uh, Walter Way days, you, you had Hearns, Hagler, Leonard. You didn't have one guy just say, "I'm the greatest. I'm not going to fight you or that." They went out and challenged the, the the best fighters out there. And if you look at it, the Walter Way division is pretty good. It's just you got to find the the key matchups of fighters that want to fight each other. Like you have, I think. Uh, Kirkland and, and Canelo Alvarez uh, this weekend coming up who are both brawlers and love the punch I think that would be a good fight there I mean there's no defense they don't care you got one guy who's looking for a knockout and the other guy's looking for a knockout to revenge the loss from Mayweather it's gotta be exciting 
I mean, it's not. Yeah. I, I think it, I think it will be exciting. It's, you it's gonna be it's gonna be better it. than the Mayweather fight, honestly. Yeah. You gotta make me want to watch it. Like I wanted to watch this fight because it's been so long in the making, and then after this, it's like uh, there's really nothing else to watch. I mean, I'll watch occasionally if it's on Showtime, HBO, you know, the free fights. But a hundred dollars again? I mean, if this happens again this year, I'm not gonna show out of a hundred dollars. I mean, I'm not gonna yeah, go no. anywhere for a twenty dollar cover charge. I think also about UFC, it's affordable. Yeah, I mean, crap. Uh, but um. Yeah, that's pretty much our discussion on that. We're going to shift gears here. And um, before we get to the draft, we're going to go into some local team news. Um, so I'm a firm believer now that Washington, D.C. teams are very much cursed Why? in the playoffs. Because John Wall just got is could be out for the playoffs. I mean, it's just we were rolling, and then this happens. I mean, it's I think there's actual curse. Now, if the Capit- Capitals are up 3-1 to one right now, if they would somehow lose, and that's three straight games and lose 4-3, the curse is real. Why are you saying these things? Why are you just up right you now? You just cursed it all. The game sorry. I, it's just, it hurts to see that like, right, oh we're my, kicking, we're kicking Shipe's ass. Shut up. Shipe if fire, they actually huh? lose, okay? <laughs> it just, it it hurts, okay? It hurts seeing the Wizards go 5-0 and oh, and that was uh, Vin Diesel in the background of Brad's house. No, that was your conscience saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, are they doing Fast and Furious outside your house? <laughs> That's awesome. But, I mean, it's just, it sucks. We're like 5-0, and oh, the Wizards, and then we lose, and then John Wall goes out, and you're like, all right, well, maybe they'll do good. They hand around with Atlanta for sec- for the game two for, until about the fourth quarter. Atlanta just start pulling away, and you're sitting there like, oh, God, let Wall comes back. Then today we find out he had four fractures in his hand and wrist, and you're like, okay, just please let him just suck it up or and do something. Did you, did you see when he went down on that? I missed it. Was it I bad? saw it, yeah. It looked like his whole, like, Ugh. Went in, oh. but he he grabbed it and he was holding it, and he was like checking to make sure if it was right. But he was down for a couple minutes, and they took him back to the locker room and taped him up and everything. And he was pretty good. He was dribbling the ball fine. I guess he was just on on what adrenaline. Yeah, yeah I can't, I can't say that word because I think it's but um, zone or something. Yeah, that's that's I think that's what he was on. And then next day they just say he's like, yeah, he's not gonna play game two. Or day, the day of the game, he said he's not going to play. Ugh. I think the real big thing is now is, but for the Wizards right now, if they want to compete, is I hate to say it, but Nene, he's not the same player anymore. And it's almost like you you can't play him as much as they used to when you have athletic power forwards like Humphreys. And God, even Drew Gordon gives him a better... Gooden. Gooden. Sorry, I said Gordon. Drew Gooden, even, I think, gives him a better stretch four than Nene because you know, Gooden is known to make you know hit some threes once in a while. Then they can't shoot that outside shot. Humphreys can make big shots, but I think they should have just kept the four running with Paul because these the the front line of Atlanta is very athletic and they can move and Nene just can't keep up, up with that anymore. And you know, I love Nene. He did good, you know, he's done great things for the city, but it's almost like you have to put Pierce in, let Pierce do what you paid him. I mean, the first round, Pierce took over that first round. Let Pierce ride it. Let him keep going. I mean, he's shooting 56% from three-point range. I mean, that's pretty good for someone of his age, and that's what they brought him in here for. So, Well, it was, it was because of the experience. Yeah, Whitman, you know, Whitman did great the first round, but he's got to do what he did the first round. He needs that magic back, and if Wall's out, he's got to find some even more magic. People like Porter are going to have to step up a little bit more. Pierce, I mean, you almost may, you almost could almost have to run Beal at the one, Porter at the two, and then... Pierce at three, maybe nah. Humphreys and Gort- you got to do. I would something. have, I would, well, I would leave Sessions how it is because Sessions put up a good game last game. Yeah, but you got to. Here it is. It's this. It's this simple. John Wall is our best player. 
Can you imagine Golden State without Steph Curry? You don't change a game plan. You say, we're not going to win. Like, I'm sorry. Golden State cannot win anything more than what they've done without Steph Curry. We're the same way. You know, you're talking about moving people around. That doesn't bring electricity. That doesn't bring 6-3 crazy fast speed up the court. You know, defensive awareness. It doesn't bring the ability and the intelligence that he has to play the game of basketball to take us to the next level. It doesn't. I'm sorry. Uh, if John Wall doesn't play, we ride or die with him, just like Golden State, just like uh, just like the, the Clippers, the, just like Memphis. Memphis is going to ride or die without you know Mike Conley. Clippers ride or die without Chris Paul. If you um, have your, your the Clippers leader. did just win without Chris Paul, by the way. Well, that's true, but then they lost to, to yeah, Houston the, the next game. So I, I, I'm talking about a series. Sure, you can squeeze off a game. Yeah, okay, that that's great, cute. Okay, we we lost four to one in the series. You can't win a series. I, I and I'll I'll take that bet with Dushipe. If if John Wall doesn't play, I'll bet we lose. And it's not a knock to the Wizards. It's a credit to John Wall. He is that much of a game changer. He's that much of an All Star. You, I'm not making can't. that bet. That's not going to the bet book because I agree with you 100%. They're going to lose. Game so, over, man. So hopefully these extra days of rest that they give in the NBA can bring him back because we... There, there's nothing we could do unless he plays. Like, if he plays, I'll, I'll say we still have a chance. If he doesn't play, there's no changing the, the roster and manipulating people around. It's, we're going to lose this series. I hate to say that, but that's the case. And it sucks because we had a really good chance riding this all the way to the finals, well, too. Well, sure. We were hot. We hadn't lost a game. We were we were playing great. Yeah. Uh, but this is part of uh, athletics is is you got to deal, deal with injuries in it. And it's a shame, uh, especially when it's when it's your best player. I mean, he is our best player. Uh, and so imagine Cleveland without LeBron. <laughs> well, look at Cleveland without Kevin Love, and they're a completely different team. I mean, he doesn't have the same effect, but he's – there is an impact out there without Kevin Love out there. Sure, definitely. And that's a completely different subject. We're getting off, we're getting off topic. Sorry. Uh, but I'm just saying, like... One player there, does it, make differences. There's nothing that Whitman can do. It's, it's this simple. He is a special talent. He can't be replaced. There's no way around it. To be honest, I don't... I mean, I, I do think he's still going to be playing. I think they're going to give him the option, too. Because if you look at I it, it's not, does. it's not his dominant hand. That's a good it's on his it's on his left wrist, right? So he can still dribble with the right, and he can take anybody. Like with his speed, he can drive the lane and just lay it up with his right hand. Well, I'm hoping his mentality is, oh my god, you know, we're on a roll right now. If I can get back in there, you know, we can roll it to the finals. I worry about my hand in the off season. You know, time to be, you know, he may have to take, you know, maybe a couple weeks off at the beginning of that season to get this fits. But I mean, for the time being, if he can roll through it, walk, please. If you can hear, if you watch this some way or somehow. Keep going, man. We need you in D.C., man. We have a they chance can, to get they to the finish, finals this year. If they year. can finish the series before seven and then the other series go seven. Which I think it will. He's He can have some time to rest off and he got, he'll get like a week off to rest. I mean, you saw earlier in the season, LaMarcus Aldridge uh, tore, I think, his, his uh, thumb ligament. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to play against us and he yeah, played he, against us and destroyed he, he, us. He, he tore his thumb <laughs> ligament on his left on his left hand. Injured. And they said he required surgery to repair it He's and he held off taped it up or put like a, a splint or something on it and then ended up playing perfectly fine without it. Like he was just same, same rotation of the ball and then shot it perfectly fine. I mean, he put up good numbers this year with the ligament uh, torn. So I think, I mean, with John Wall, I think he's a whole different player. 
I don't really think he needs both hands to dribble or to pass. I mean, and a couple couple of the assists that he's done in this series has been one handed. So I think I think John Wall will keep playing. Um, just give him like a couple rests here and there. But I, I think he'll be doing good. What what was the actual injury? Was it like his wrist or was it like his hand, fingers? Hand, wrist, five fractures. Yeah. If you if you look if you look back on the thing, he went up, I believe it was for like a rebound or a shot, and then he came down and awkwardly okay. like landed on it. But not like his fingers. No, no it was it was like I'm guessing right. like wrist and then that like part, okay. part of the, the hand. Okay. So yeah, I guess he could they could, as long as it's not his fingers, he'd probably be able to wrap everything up and give him a couple shots and go win us a game. Well, let's move to the other team in D.C. with the Capitals, which, oh my God, is the future bright for this team or what? These young players <laughs> are stepping it up. <laughs> and it's not even, you know, like Ovechkin's leading the charge, Batram, but these young guys are stepping it up. It's the role players. I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's it the third and, and line. Doing what they're the, doing. And it's the people from the third line, the second line, they're stepping up and got, hats off to Brandon. I mean, we should all give a clap for Brandon Holtby. Holt Beast. Give a clap to Holt Beast. I mean, the the way he's playing is, look, look oh, yeah. Brad, it's something oh, yeah. new, isn't it, for you, buddy? <laughs> Dude, we're cheering for, for I mean, teams in, in the D.C. metro area. That's so weird. I mean, Holpe last night, um, they had a they had a penalty. Uh, you know, there was a breakaway. Mike penalty Green shot. hooked them. So he got a penalty shot, and he went, uh, you know, he's fancy, so he went glove side. Glove side, Any, yeah. Anyone knows that movie that's from? D2. There you go. That's all I wanted <laughs> nice. to hear. And Holpe stopped it, trivia. and, you know, the Rangers are like, all right, we can get the goal back. And when Holpe made that save and the crowd went up, you see the Rangers just went from here. Mm. Done. Mm. Goodbye. I'm sorry. I think last night was the end of the Rangers. The curtains are getting closed. Go home. That means we put two New York teams, get their asses back to New York. No. No knocking on wood. We're going to win this. <laughs> you can put it in the bet book. Do you want to bet on this? You want to bet on this one? I'm not betting up for us to lose. Are you kidding me? No Thank way. You. <laughs> Thank <on> you. <laughs> let, me, let me just say the next game is in Madison Square, and yeah, I hope we no, beat them there. It's, it's a must win for them. Yes. Yeah. For the Capitals. They have to win. Wouldn't it be great just to send two New York teams home back to back? That's just awesome. Has anyone ever? I was curious. Has anyone ever done that in any kind of sport where you sent two teams from the same city home back and back to back weeks? Is well, it can't be in football because no, well, no. I guess re- regular season it could be, but not in the postseason. No, I think this this got to be the first time something like that's ever happened. It's got to be. Yeah, May, I don't know. It's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be this. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Islanders, goodbye. Super. Rangers, goodbye. Bring on the Lightning because they look like they're going to win their series convincingly. That's why we have to win tomorrow because it's like the Lightning are going to sweep Montreal, which give them a more rest. So we can win this one. We'll get some rest also. And yeah, but wait a second. This is one thing I said the other uh, the other week, Shipe, that that your when uh, when your buddy was on there, the hockey guy. Uh, I said, uh, yeah, I, I said it was nice that we'd never break because we were still playing hot and we didn't have to take time off. So so s- slow your horses there before you want us to take rest. I say we keep firing on all cylinders, man. No rest. Like, if we have to go longer, that's fine. The Rangers got a break, and guess what? Now they're cold. Now they're they're not playing hot, and we still are. So I don't even care about trying to close this series out fast. I just want us to keep playing hockey. Well, like I said, you know, for hockey, you always ride a hot goaltender in the playoffs. Hot goaltender. We got the hottest goaltender in the playoffs. I mean, Rangers— 
Rangers had the hottest goaltender for the regular season, and now he's going cold in the playoffs. And Holpe is just—he's burnt. He's—he has fear in the fury of the red. Whatever he's feeling it, he's hot. He's Rock on fire, the red baby. So let's hope this keeps going. And you know, it's, I think the Capitals have a good chance of winning the whole thing, just like the Wizards did. Hopefully, if John Wall comes back. And I told Brad the most awesome thing that could happen in DC is knock on wood that if both teams could win their respective. Finals somehow, some way oh. to have a conjoined parade in DC would be awesome. That would be how awesome not, would that uh, be? It would be super awesome. And then what they're doing, they're supporting each other. Right. Like you had the Wizards go to the Caps game, and then you had, you the, had Caps. the Nationals. All nationals like half there. the Nationals roster was there last night. You had like Scherzer was there, Geo, um, Harper, of course, was in yeah. the locker room with everyone. Speaking of uh, Bryce Harper, what a game he had yesterday. Three, bo- that thing. <laughs> those home runs are still traveling. They haven't come down yet. What did he hit? He hit three home runs yesterday. He hit oh. one opposite field, and the two he hit the right field were just upper deckers gone. Wow, they were gone. The third one, us, uh, he hit Stanton. Just he hit and Stanton was just like this, and just didn't even look back. He's just like, I ain't even gonna move. <laughs> they uh, said uh, the third one, he completely destroyed. They said uh, the second one, Scherzer was on the bench, and Harper hit it. Scherzer looked at the security guard and said. It's out of here. <laughs> it's, it's just sounded. And Scherzer, thank God he finally got some run support. This is what the thing about Scherzer. He entered the game yesterday, one and three as a starter. His ERA was one point two sits. And your record's one and three. That was no run support for him whatsoever. And he finally got some run support. Of course, he let the home run to Stanton. But I mean, God forbid. I think every pitcher in the league has let a home run to Stanton. That guy. I think uh, last week uh, Stanton hit one, and I think it was Miami. To the last row in the upper deck on left field. <laughs> Jeez. Well, you saw. I think during the what was it? I think it was the home run derby last year. He almost hit one out of the park during the home run derby. I mean, it was a home run derby, but that's still just crazy to go up a whole upper deck and almost hit it out. But the Nationals are rolling. They've won the past uh, three series, which I told Brad you know early in the week that they had to start winning series, and I had told him they had to take three or four from the Mets. I mean, it was a must with them in first place. They did. Took three, two or three from the Marlins. They just took, you know, before those, they took three, two or three from the Braves. And what really set this winning thing going was that big comeback they had where they were down nine to one and they came back and won 13 to 12. Dan Angela against his former team hit a bomb out of the day after people were booing him. So, I mean, those are games that where you can get momentum going. Atlanta comes into town this week. You got to take two or three from Atlanta. A sweep would be nice. But you have to keep these two or threes going and keep winning these series because Davey Johnson said two years ago when he was a manager, if you can win every series, you're in the playoffs. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's no reason you're not in the playoffs. You don't win every series. And, you know, beginning of the part, you know, they were struggling. People were unhealthy. But their bullpen now is starting to come alive. I mean, before their bullpen was the reason, you know, they were losing all these close games. They were giving up runs. But now the bullpen, I think... I almost want to say they haven't allowed a run in a while. They've been lights out the past this during this little win thing going on. They've been lights out. I mean, Rourke got his first save. Uh, Blake trying his fastball is just the movement on that is just ridiculous. I still don't like what he did at Fan Fest, but that's fine. Paul remembers what I said about that. He pointed to my fiance a little. Yeah. But uh, Brad, what are your thoughts on uh, the Nationals right now? And you know, do you see them keeping this win streak going? I don't see why not. I think this is exactly what they've been waiting to see in order to find more confidence in themselves. I think it only gets better. The ceiling is only higher for them right now. Uh, You know, I think they came out a little flat, but now that they've all tasted a little bit of the greatness that they can be, I think they're going to go after it even harder. So uh, look look for them to really start making a run. 
Uh, Coach, what do you think about what the Nationals are doing the past uh, three or four series and how, you know, what's different from what was going on beforehand? Well, you get back. The only the only person that's not back in the starting lineup is Rendon. But what what has happened is that the players that they had picked up, you know, Escobar and they're they're playing to their capability and a little bit beyond. You know, he's been Escobar's been playing a, a good third base. Uh, Espinosa's been doing, and Ugla have been filling in at second base. So you're getting a good fill in there, and now everything is gelling a little bit com- where it was in the first part of the year. So they they picked up the pace where they should be. They're doing good. They're doing real well now, as people expected, and they just keep it going. They're getting great pitching. They just have to, you know, get get scoring some runs. These one run. You know, games won nothing. They're not going to keep you there all year. You're going to have to score some runs. And they're showing that they are capable of scoring runs. So with some hitting, and then, you know, my thing is when you get Rendon back, you know, <laughs> watch out. And the good thing for um, Harper is, you know, from what he's done the past two years is he's starting to be more patient to plate. He isn't trying to force hits. You know, he's waiting for his good pitch. And when he does that, I mean, he said last night, he was like, they're like, you know, he didn't want the curtain call after three because he thought he could hit four. He's like, you know, he said in the interview, you know, I didn't want the curtain call after three. You know, I wanted to go for four. I mean, it was only the fifth inning. I wanted to get my fourth home run. And he said, you know, on this is how I should be on a weekly night basis if I'm patient to play and do what I should. He's like, there's no reason I can't hit, you know, 30 home runs every season, which I think he is capable of doing. I mean, I think he's he's a 30-100 player when he plays like the way he did last night or, excuse me, last afternoon. And Scherzer's been nothing but a $200 million man pitching. Uh, they asked Strasburg, who was injured a couple weeks ago, or not a couple weeks, uh, a couple days ago. He went out with a right arm injury. Uh, they said it's not too severe. He may get pushed back a start, which, you know, you push Strasburg back, but then you have Rourke in the pen who could also come out and pitch, you know, do a, a start. So, I mean, their starting pitching, like we said, has really good depth. Their, pulp, their bullpen's finally getting there. You know, Casey Jensen just started rehabbing Simon, so you get him back who we've been waiting for to come back to be the setup man, you know, a middle reliever. So this team still isn't 100% like we've wanted them to be, but they're they're gradually getting close. Uh, Matt Williams said the other day, you know, they on the um, radio show I listened to in the Junkies, they asked him, you know, is this injury for Rendon, you know, is this something after the All-Star break? And he said, God, no, he'll be back way sooner than that. So, you know, maybe it's Rendon could be back in a few weeks, maybe the beginning of June. So we'll see how his recovery goes. So um, hopefully everything gets going with them. They keep this winning streak going. And my prediction is, if you want to, if you want to bet on this, they'll have first place by uh, the All Star break. If anyone wants to take me up on that, anyone? Nope, nope. Everyone agrees. Good. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear everyone to agree on that. Say what? <laughs> so um, we're gonna take a quick break, and on the other side of the break, we will be going over the NFL draft. So just stay with us momentarily, and we'll be right back at you. Hey, this is Paul from the Shipe Sports Talk podcast. Just wanted to let you know how you can listen to our podcast while you're on the go using an app called Stitcher. You can listen anytime, anywhere using the award-winning free Stitcher app. Best part is, when you stream our podcast or any of the other 20,000 available out there, there's no downloading, no syncing, or no wasted memory. It's on demand and on the go. So if you don't already have the Stitcher app on your iPhone, Android phone, or tablet, download it free today at Stitcher.com or from your app store. Add us to your favorites list, and every week when we put out our new episode, Stitcher will automatically update and have the latest episode of the Shipe Sports Talk podcast waiting for you. While you're there, it really helps us get our podcast noticed if you give us a nice review, rating, and thumbs up. We'll greatly appreciate it. Have a comment or question? 
easy. Go to shipesportstalk.com, click on the Contact Us tab, and there you'll be able to submit your questions or comments. We love hearing from you, so we'll be sure to thank you live on the air. You'll also find on shipesportstalk.com the latest episodes, show notes, and other ways to find us on platforms like iTunes and YouTube. Now, back to the show. My glasses on, right? Yeah, they're on, right? <laughs> we're live now. Uh, welcome back to the Shive Sports Talk Show. We're going to get right into the NFL draft. Uh, very exciting draft. You know, we... Um, I looked back when we did our draft, mock draft, and I looked back, you know, the first 10 picks, who got what right, and um, Guillermo got two right in the top 10. You got Fowler and Winston right. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> I guess we can give him Landon Collins. I mean, he had the right team, just not the right pick. You had them with the Giants. You just had them in the first round. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah. Um, I had three out of ten. I had the Winston. I had the um, Cooper and the Redskins pick. So I had all that right. Brad had one. He had the Winston pick right. <laughs> so Brad had one pick right. Uh, the one pick we all got wrong, you know, together as a group was Mariota going to the Jets. Obviously, he went number two to the Titans. So that was a as a Titan fan, I was a bit shocked. But I think as the more I watched, you know. The more we watched him during his workouts, the more it looked like he was going to be the number two pick. The Titans fell in love with him. But what we're going to do now is we're going to tell you our top three drafts, you know, which teams had the best draft. And we're going to give you our teams that had the worst draft. Uh, I'm going to start with, we'll go ahead with the uh, Brad. Who was? We got, are we going to just gonna do good first or what are we doing? We'll all go through our good first and then we'll all go through our bad. Okay. So we'll so, go with uh, your good, your top three. My top three good are. The Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, both from the uh, the AFC uh, North, and then uh, the Washington Redskins. When's the last time we heard the Redskins had a good draft? I mean, let's just be—I mean, let's—I'm not hating, but let's just be honest. When was the last time they actually had a decent draft? No, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's been a long time, and uh, you know, we we risked a lot years ago. Obviously, when we took RG three. Uh, so th- this year I saw some solidity from us and, uh, some picks that I, I think could be really, uh, c- could be big bombs. You know, what I loved about the GM was he said, I want 10 pits and he got his 10 pits. That's what was awesome about it. Yeah. Um, coach, right. let's go with your top three right now. Oh, my, my top three, uh, I, I, you know, go with the Redskins. I like the Ravens and I also like the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then I throw a little something in there. The Seahawks only had five picks, but I could say if I go three, I could tie them with the Steelers for for top three in my in my estimate. Guillermo, your top three. Uh, I wouldn't put them in order, but St. Louis, Washington, and Pitt. And I'm gonna go with the Jets, the Redskins, and the Titans as my top three. Um, and then, um, one to one, I think they honestly had a good draft. I think they got weapons that they needed for, uh, skill positions. I think they're going to be a lot better team. Who was it? Uh, they got Beckham green from uh, Missouri and they needed, they needed a wide receiver and he's been dubbed by NFL.com as the Nets Megatron, which I hope comes true. That's pretty, those are big shoes. Pretty impressive. All right. Now we're going to go through our worst draft. And then once we go through all that, we're going to start discussing, you know, what we liked about our top teams, what we disliked. So let's just go through our worst drafts real quick. So Brad, your worst three teams. 
I'm going to go with Detroit and uh, I'm going to go with Dallas as well. And, and I really don't think they had a, a great draft, but I, I don't think that they're going to prosper that much from this draft. I'm going to go with Philly. They took a lot of cornerbacks and I know they need secondary help, but I don't know how many of them are going to be that good. So I, I think they, they spent too many picks on cornerbacks and I'm going to go with Philly, Dallas and Detroit. Coach. I'm going to go with the, uh, the saints, the bills and the Panthers as my three that I didn't think fair too well this year. Guillermo. I'm going with, uh, what is it? Oakland one. And then, uh, what was the other one? Uh, was it Brad just said it? Dallas or Philly or uh, Dallas, Philly, Detroit. And your third. I, I only had two. Jeez, I'm prepared. I'm going to go with... What was that? I'm prepared. Jeez, first show back and I'm prepared. I'm going to go with um, Dallas, Philly, and Carolina. Uh, mostly Carolina because, I mean, they only had five picks, and I realized, I realized they didn't really do much for Carolina. I told you these last night that I had them done, so you can't no, say you Didn't you say you had it hidden in an envelope? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think the big thing for the Cowboys was, unless they're planning on getting Peterson, I really don't think they... They didn't feel the need that they needed a running back. And also, the thing about the Cowboys now is the fact that they just signed Collins, Collins. who was one of the top-rated offensive linemen, to where that offensive lineman was already stacked. Now they got another solid rookie that can start for him. You know, if you count that as part of the draft, they would be taken out of that. But to, but where they drafted, I gave them the worst draft. Even with taking the chance on Ray, uh, Randy Gregory, who was a top-10 talent, I just I still didn't like I still didn't like the draft. And same for the Eagles. I mean, you signed, you know, two top cornerbacks during the offseason, and then you go out and you get, you know, like five or four. I feel like, you know, maybe two would have been good, but then you just wasted all these pits. And I guarantee two of them probably want to be on the team. So I feel like you just wasted two pits on two more cornerbacks. But um, now we're going to start distressing the draft. Uh, we'll go with the local team first. We'll talk about the Redskins and uh, what they did. And like I predicted in our mock, that they took an offensive lineman, which they need. I mean, people were screaming for defense, they were screaming for, you know, secondary help. Really, the big thing was offensive linemen was giving their quarterbacks time to throw the ball, giving RG3 time to scramble or do whatever the hell he wants to do. And I feel like this guy, if you put him on the opposite side of, you know, on the other side of the line, opposite of Trent Williams, could be a big, you know, guy in years to come. And they need offensive linemen help. They needed it from the very beginning. Their offensive line was still horrible last season. And this is why, you know, I gave Skip Bayless praise earlier. Now I'm going to give him some D praise. He was like, they drafted Sheriff to take the left tackle position. Has that guy never heard of Trent Williams on the Redskins? I mean, I know he's a big RG3 lover, but I guess he doesn't know about anyone else. Uh, the second, Preston Smith, defensive end. I think that would be a great addition to that line. Uh, I don't know if they're going to stand him up or put him down on the line, but you put someone like him opposite of Kerrigan or even right right in front of Kerrigan, that takes a lot of double team off Kerrigan to where they're going to have to concentrate on one of them. And if you put them right in front of Kerrigan, they're just going to bull rush you, you know, bull rush you right in. So I think that's great. Uh, the Matt Jones pick was great. They needed someone to replace uh, Roy Hallou. Uh, a lot of my buddies are like, you know, they got all these other people from last year. Um, I can't remember their backups now after Hallou. And they're like, why did they picked the running back? You, you needed a solid running back. And Matt Jones, I think, was that solid running back to replace Hallou. And the wide receiver from Duke, um, Jameis Crowder, 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 whatever. I think he's is a 
is almost a mold type of a Santana Moss. Like I think he feels like he can fill the void with Santana Smuzz and the slot receiver. And I feel like, you know, Scott McCullen came out on the radio day and said, this guy is going to be, he's competing to compete. I mean, you can talk about his size or whatever, but this kid is going to be a day one starter, potentially the kit return game. So it's almost like he's molded after Santana Moss and you put him in the slot of, you know, between Garcon and DeJasson, you have another speedy receiver in the middle of them. And, you know, you got Andre Roberts, but I don't think Roberts was really a slot receiver. He's more of an outside man with his size, I think. And with this guy from Duke, he is a true slot receiver. And, you know, with Moss getting up there, I don't know, did they release Moss this year, I believe? Oh, he's not He's not oh, yeah. on contract. I think he's, he's still He's still, agent. well, here's his replacement. You know, they got another offensive guard, you know, an outside linebacker from Arkansas. So, I mean, they did what they needed to do in this draft to get players, and this is what Scott McClellan was brought here to do, is to evaluate talent. I mean, he brought in people like Sherman, Matswell, all those people in late rounds in Seattle, and this is what they want to do here. And I think he found some gems in these late rounds. So, um, Brad, let's show your thoughts first on the Redskins draft. I, I love it. I love the balance of everything that we got. You know, we got stronger in some areas uh, where we were already relatively strong. Um, you know, but but we we address just a little bit of everything and 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 all the talent that 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 we've that we that we drafted. We're, we're pretty solid picks. You know, it wasn't like, well, they're really stretching for this. You know, it, it was kind of like at the moment, you know, th- this was a very good option. And so I, I like the balance that we had in the draft uh, between not reaching for anything and not, not you know, putting too many eggs in, in one basket on, on any player. Uh, I think we, we went with whatever was on the table uh, at that time and it ended up being a very nice balance between some offensive, you know, possible playmakers and running back wide receivers, strengthening our offensive line, some defensive end help, even some uh, secondary help. So uh, I like everything that we did here. Guillermo, your thoughts on the skins? Yeah, I, same thing with Brad. I mean, you go from defense to offense. I mean, key key uh, positions that we needed to work on and we actually drafted in the, in the spots needed. Um, you go from, I mean, all these players coming from well-known schools. I mean, Spencer taken in the sixth round and he was a key factor of Ohio State winning the game as well, the championship throughout the season. Uh, you got Jamison Crowder, you got Matt Jones from Florida, Preston Smith from Mississippi State. Uh, I think all the answers that we needed to to solve in the draft, we had it with the balanced uh, draft this year. And I, I, I can say for once, yeah, it was a good draft. Coach? Well, I, I think they did real, real well in the in the draft. Uh, being around a long time as the Redskins, this might be one of the best drafts they've had since uh, on the draft with uh, Bethard when they when they got Mark May, Russ Grimm, you know, two future hogs at that time, and you know it. They, they balanced their draft out. There's, there's, look at your three three offensive linemen, you know, and they all three can help. You get a center, you get a guard. And you get the tackle who, like you say with, with Chef, you move him into left guard, and you got Williams at left tackle. I mean, you've got a line that goes back to almost, uh, you look at it, you know, Russ Grimm and Joe Jacoby on the same side, and they weren't too bad. And, and, and you know, they, they got two linebackers, two receivers, a secondary help. You know, and, and a running back. I mean, this kid's what six two, two thirty. He's maybe one of the biggest running backs they've had since John Riggins. 
if he if he molds and gets into the type of you know runner that that they expect. I mean, they got you know a big offensive line. They got in the draft. Uh, I, I think the last player picked this uh, Austin Ryder out of, out of uh, you know. What was he from? South, South Florida. Florida. It's not a bad center. I mean, you, you know, watching the football games in the fall, and you, you know, South Florida, you see this guy's not too bad either. I mean, I'm surprised he was down there, you know, uh, that far for them to pick him up. Uh, it's 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 a well, if you say well balanced draft. They've got special team guys in here that are going to help out, and that's what they wanted to pick from five down. You know they. Now, if all these guys have to do now is come in, work hard, and pan out, and we won't know until the next three, four years if this was a real good draft for the Redskins. Then then we can look back and say, man, that's that's their best draft in probably about 15, 16 years. So I, I'm very impressed with what the Redskins did. All right, before we head out of here, we had two quarterbacks go one, two, Winston and Mariota. Everyone go around the room, maybe give a little explanation. Who do you think is going to have the better career on the team they got drafted? Brad, you first. Uh, I'm going to stick with Mariota. Uh, I just think that that kid is willing to separate himself and do whatever he needs to. Where I, I, I don't know if Jameis is I – don't, I don't think he's more selfish – I just think he just doesn't get it. I don't think he has a good head on his shoulders. I think Mariota just has a better head on his shoulders. And I don't foresee either of them having like the the greatest career ever. No no offense, Shipe. I know you're all excited about Mariota. But uh, I, I think in terms of just longevity, uh, I think Mariota will be in the league longer just because I think Jameis will find a way to, uh, to screw everything up. Guillermo, better career. I'm going to go with Mariota as well. I mean, you look. You're looking at. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you one thing right now, and then I'll tell you uh, another thing. Um, Winston got drafted, and he was already making jokes. He got drafted, and then he went out. I think he got like a bunch of crab, crab legs. legs in yeah. Instagram. So he's already joking around with this whole yeah, outside it, football. He had to be told by Tampa, yeah, you know, shut up. Yeah. I mean, you're going into professional leagues now. You don't have time to do any of that stupid stuff that you did in college. I mean, there's a reason why you're drafted. Because they know they you want they want you to do the right thing. I mean, you look at Mariota; it's a meal ticket for him. He's gonna do everything he can to succeed in this league. I mean, he's got his head on straight. I I see him having a, having a better career. And then the other thing, he gets the he gets football. He he's gone through a playbook that's doing good in the NFL, and he, he was reading the hell out of the the playbooks. I just see him having a better a better career, even with the Titans. Your Titans, coach. <laughs> I, I I've got to go. You know, agree with the other two gentlemen in the room here. Uh, I, Mariota, I, I believe he should, barring injuries or anything, have a successful season, uh, career. Uh, he just takes things into perspective uh, a, a lot more than. Uh, I gonna say Mr. Winston does. Uh, he, he he came from a great organization in Oregon. They, you know they they run a, a good program up there. No, don't take away anything from Florida State. Uh, I, I just uh, he he's more on the level. You know he he'll be able to adjust 
quicker than I believe Winston will. So you know, I, out of you know, he'll he'll do better. He'll be the better player out out of either one of those two. And I'm going to run out by also saying Mariota. And all, one of the reasons I'm going to say him is because Titans, if you look at their past four quarterbacks they've drafted in the first round, they've always been dual threat types of quarterbacks. You go back to Steve McNair was a dual threat. Uh, Vince Young was a dual threat. Jake Locker was a dual threat. Yes, those were under different coaches, different regimes, but it's like this is the type of quarterback that's always been in Tennessee was a dual threat quarterback, and that's what Mariota is. It's almost like a tradition for Tennessee to bring in dual threat quarterbacks and whether they play out or not is a different story. You know, Steve Young was a home run. Vince Young was a double and then got out trying to go for a triple and Jake Locker just completely struck out. What about when you guys were undefeated with Kerry Collins for a little while? Well, who was behind him on the bench? Vince Young was learning as a rookie. Okay, but I'm just saying. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, but I'm just saying in terms of drafting wise, this is what they draft. Oh, okay. That's yeah, what I meant. I In that. terms of okay. what they're drafting, this is what they do as a dual threat quarterback. And I think Wisenhunt is smart enough to where he's a you know he's a quarterback guy. You know he had Rivers, Rossberger who doesn't fit his type, but I feel like he's a coach that can maybe, you know, mold his you know maybe put his offensive mind into Mariota to where okay I'm gonna incorporate some of your stuff because I mean you've seen teams that haven't had dual threat quarterbacks before change their philosophy around dual threat quarterbacks and Hasselback was in. Um, Seahawks, and then here comes Wilson, and they changed that system up to where it became a dual threat. Same for 49ers, where you had Alex Smith, Kaepernick comes in, that changes to a dual threat. Reskins, you know, Archer 3 comes in, that changes. So it's almost like if you can get the right type of player, like a Russell Wilson, that's that type of, you know, that special player, you can he can adapt to your system, and you can adapt to him to where they adapt to each other, which I think that was the problem with the Reskins was, is where RG3 doesn't want to hone his own skill. He want to become a pocket passer to where he should embrace his talent like what's the, what Russell Wilson has done. He's embraced his dual threat. And I think RG3's too worried about, well, I want to be the next Aaron Rodgers. Well, you're not going to be. You need to express what you have, and that's a dual threat capability, which I think Mariota is smart enough to where he can do that, to where if you saw him in Oregon, yeah, he likes to run, but his main thing was he could pass the ball as well, and he that's what he wanted to do first. But when he needed to, he became that dual threat option, especially with Chip Kelly. So I think Wizenhunt can change him around to where Wizenhunt will change his system also to work with him. You know, you have the talent, and then they drafted Green Beckham to where you didn't, you all didn't mention that. Now he has people around him that can make him better. I mean, he has Delaney Walker, who's a great tight end as a checkdown man. You have um, Kendall Wright, who will now go back to a slot where he belongs, where he had the thousand yard receiving season, and that's where Kendall Wright belongs. You have Justin Hunter, who still, I think, believe has the potential to be a big-time threat. You have Henry Douglas, who they brought in, who's a great route runner. I mean, you have Bishop Sankey in the backfield, you know, second-year man who still showed his potential. I mean, they also drafted a big, you know, fullback out of Bama who will probably take over as a power back for them more than a fullback. So they've given Mariota, you know, weapons to work around. I mean, he has an offensive line, you know, that may struggle, but they picked up one. But you have Chase Womack, you have Tyler Levine, who are now, you know, second-year, so they're coming to their own as well. So you're giving Mariota a chance to perform, you know, same for Winston to where, you know, you have Mike Evans, you know, you have Vincent Jackson. But I think the problem was is the maturity of these two quarterbacks. Like you said, the whole crab leg thing, I think was stupid of him to do. You know, you're not, don't try to make a joke about that. You're in the NFL now. Act like, and I think that's the big difference is they both probably have weapons, but it's the mature factor. And I think that's what's going to bring Winston down is I don't think he's mature enough yet to be in the NFL as where Mariota is a smart kid. He's very mature. He knows what he needs to do. 
Um, so I believe Mariota, for all those reasons, will have the, um, the better career. And I'm sorry I took so much more time than you guys. It means more to you. It yeah. does. It means a real yeah. lot more than me. Uh, before we get going, I just want to say congrats to Chelsea FC, who this week claimed the EPL title for the English Premier League. Uh, I'm sorry, where's Man U at? Yeah, they're further down the line. How many titles has Man U won over Chelsea Whatever. in the last 10 years? Yeah, la, 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 la. Oh, there you go. There <laughs> you go. You don't matters. want to talk soccer with me. So congrats to um, to Chelsea. Also, like now, so Guillermo will finally start being on the show regularly again on Thursday. <laughs> I know. Good. So it's good to have you back. Now we get to hear all about. Oh wait, we don't have to hear about the Spurs, do we anymore, Brad? Wait, the who? No, that's right. <laughs> They're home. They're home. Getting. Did you see what they did after they lost? They all went out, got drunk as hell in L.A. That's what happens. Yeah, that's that's like a sign saying, "Hey, we had a good run." Yeah, I guess. But that's also when you have to get Bayless crying on Twitter saying, "It was a fail. It wasn't a fail." Uh, to be honest, uh, it was. No, nah, I'm not. I'm not going to take anything away from from the series. They played. They played their asses off, and they played like champions. They went out like champions. They took them to Game Seven, just like how Dallas took them to Game Seven last year. Uh, they just they played a great game. There's nothing wrong. Uh, Clippers wanted it more. Yep. So we don't have to hear about that. Thank goodness. So, um, you know, next week we'll go, we'll still go back over the local teams. Hopefully John Wall will be playing and we're talking about the Wizards are maybe up three to one. Hopefully we'll talk. Hopefully I want to talk about the Caps and their Nets round uh, matchup instead of talking about them going to game seven against the Rangers. Hopefully the Nationals will win a couple more series. They'll be in first place. That would be kind of awesome. They're in first place by next Thursday. Gonna, is that, po- that is possible? That'd be, that'd be tough. But It'd be yeah, tough, but it is possible. It is possible. Let's hope the Mets come back more to reality. We're going to talk about... Uh, Anything about golf? We will review the players next week. Talk about it, hopefully how Tiger did. And that's, I guess, what do you call it? The fifth major of the year is what they call it, kind of? The, yeah, the, the, players, un, yeah. the unruled fifth major. So we'll the talk unofficial. about that. Unofficial. Has he broken uh, the hundredth rank yet? Uh, not yet. Not yet. He's a good finish this week. Okay. God, I hope he does. So um, for myself, for Coach, for Paul, for Brad, for Guillermo, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you all have a good weekend, and let's go Capital. Let's go Wizards. Go Nationals. Bring it on, local teams. Unleash the fury, baby. Let's go. Unleash the fury. It's been a long time since this city's been excited like this about sports, so let's do it. We're going crazy over here in D.C. (laughs) Yeah. We're ripping hair, hitting people, throwing bricks. (laughs) We're crazy, man. Yeah. That's just Baltimore. That's not Washington. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right, everyone. Have a good day. Good night. Good evening. Good morning.